join us at your own university. Like, subscribe, and turn on those notifications. You're not going to want to miss a bit of this. Welcome back, everyone. This is podcast number five. Is that right, Alicia? Yeah. Awesome. And today's topic is feminine and masculine. And uh, personally, this always reminds me of the Kinsey Institute, uh, which comes out of Indiana University. I don't know if it originated there. Uh, there was a movie on this topic. Uh, Liam Neeson, is that his name? He was the star of that, the main actor. Nice. Um, yeah, and the Kinsey, I don't know all the terms, but the Kinsey scale, I think, is something. Uh, and he he's known for something like that, where you, um, on a spectrum, you can place yourself in terms of, and this relates to sexuality, uh, specifically for Kinsey. He was a, a sex researcher relates to um, how interested you are in one sex or the other. So how, how heterosexual are you? How homosexual are you on, like on a spectrum? So in the movie, for example, and uh, I hope we can trust that, that uh, the details of the movie, at least many of which are, are, are accurate. Um, you know, there were conversations where he was speaking with one of his lovers and who was studying with him, part of this, and uh, they were speaking in this language. So, you know, he's saying, yeah, I think, I think I'm a two, you know, five or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm like two into girls and, you know, five into boys or whatever it was. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is what I'm reminded of. And I, and I don't know precisely how much that relates specifically to masculine and feminine as relates to, to you, you know, your own university or you, Alicia, for that matter. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think there's probably some overlap there. I wish I had watched it or ever like done any research on it. It would be so cool if, um, if I have, because I really don't have too much context of what you're talking about or what they're talking about. Um, but the masculine and feminine is, for me, I was talking to a client um, that is in my Paradise Awaits program. And, and we were talking about this masculine and feminine. And, and for me, I have a, I think I have a much different perspective on it than like the normal fancy, um, you know, getting your more feminine, feminine place and for women, right, with, with female genitals and being your more masculine for men um, with, you know, masculine or male genitals. And, and like the, the, the society as a whole right now, like making, making one right or one wrong. I see masculine and feminine more, less of a sexual um representation and more of a personality like natural traits personality energy behind i've seen very quote unquote masculine healthy masculine um females who are heterosexual that um have a hard time attracting a male and i think that's because they keep looking for this masculine man that is going to balance them which cannot happen if their natural tendency is to um, be more about doing and and providing and accomplishing right if that's just their natural intake so when when they stop organizing that in their heads though like like they need this big man and they keep attracting this macho man right because they're forcing and they're macho and they're fake and uh, sometimes 
uncommunicative and not in touch with their feelings mm -hmm. and like just just more macho or shrew. That's another word that I call it in that program. Um, for for a female, they can also be macho. Which um, program is that? The Paradise Awaits program, my sexuality program. And um, so we, but I think if they just were like, you know what, like a man can look so many different ways. And if they attracted a man that had more, not girly qualities, right? Or gay qualities, as we say it, but but feminine qualities, right? It was more nurturing, more um, re receptive and grateful, more um, you know, thoughtful in, in a way of, of presence and being and emotional, right? Which there's ton of amazing heterosexual men that are this way too. And if one attracted the other, they balance each other out, right? Like she'd be able to do the providing and he'd be able to do the giving and it would all be yay. So um, so I, I just think that that way, I don't think that one is bad or good. I think that a female can be connected with her internal balance of the masculine and feminine and, and accepting who she is and making sure that she's not leaning into the shrew. And I think a man can do the same thing, not apologizing for his feelings, right? And his more feminine traits, if he's more feminine um, in the sense of personality, right? Or energetically, and I'm not leaning into the macho. Anyway, that's, I don't know if that made any sense, but that's oh, my take. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, definitely masculine and feminine are forces. And I, I well, on the one hand, I wonder biologically how much this uh, relates to testosterone and estrogen. And on the other hand, I think of the yin yang again. So it can be symbolic or biological, perhaps. Um, I'm kind of curious to hear more about the shrew. And it sounds like you also use the term macho, which I think most of us have heard, but I'm not sure if you use it the same way. I feel like telling us some more about shrew, the shrew so, and macho yeah. or whatever. The shrew is shrew, right? She's nitpicky and she's needy and she's, it's like a really imbalance or he, right, is nitpicky and needy, and, and there's an insecurity there. There's, a, it's a shrew, right? It's okay. like, it's like the evil witch. It's like just, just using and manipulative, and it's the unhealthy feminine. It's a little different than the macho, which is overbearing and can be um, abusive. Now, a woman and a man each can have a shrew or a macho, right? So if a woman is really nitpicky and needy and poor me and da, da 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 da, then she has a little bit more of the unhealthy or unbalanced shrew in her. So to find that and calm it down, it would be healing and treating from a coaching perspective um, and nurturing, learning how to nurture and accept that more feminine energy within her or him. If a man's doing the same thing, right? He's really needy. He's clingy. He's, I mean, we've heard of these women, right? <laughs> like, or, or men. Maybe, yes. Maybe I've been them, <laughs> right? Like been a shrew. Um, and then there's, there's the more masculine traits of this imbalance and and it's overbearing and controlling and, and macho, right? It's just like so forceful proving um, I've totally been in 
macho energy too, pushing, pushing, pushing. And it can be unhealthy in relationships. Um, it's definitely unhealthy in our biochemistry. And, and I think both of these qualities that come out in each of us, but if we have one that's overbearing in you or a partner, in order to treat it, we need to recognize it. And that means just, you know, which is unhealthy. You know, are you controlling and angry and solving the drama this way? Or are you poor, pitiful, me, needy, can't do anything, solving the problem this way? And how can you come back into that balance to have a healthy relationship with masculine and, and femininity? That's the so, goal anyway. Yeah. So it applies to each person, totally separate of any other necessarily. Um, yeah. So how, how does it affect someone biochemically? Our thoughts create our genetics. Is that a part of uh, biogenetics that you have? I know you've it is, spoken and, um, It is totally because it's going to shift your thoughts, your perception in life, your, I mean, they've proven your feelings, your emotions affect what, um, I mean, within your own genetic makeup, Right. So we both, uh, Jason and I both are in a wonderful community of euphoria. And what they do is they give us our genetic makeup, right? Like literally read your genetic makeup and, and you can look at it, right? So we all have this bred genetic makeup, right? And on both helixes, we have a masculine and a feminine pull. And love it that. could be. I, I love could, this. I just right? want to see you do this again, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it could. That shows it, she can dance, folks. Right, there the rhythm go. there. Oh see how, how rhythmic that was? Yeah. You got it too. No, she really can, for real. She's got, she's got rhythm. <laughs> ah, I've got rhythm. Um, so, so the the masculine positive pull, and the feminine negative pull, they work together, and you can turn on and off your genetic makeup, depending on your perception, your emotions. So epigenetics is um, a whole study on this. If you want to look it up, everybody um, just Google it. Like it's huge. And so when you understand the energy, the, the positive or negative energy, now positive means push, right? So you could think of positive as not like, oh, it's good, right? So all men are good and higher and blah, 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 like this concept, this masculine, right? And the feminine is negative, so it's bad. No, the feminine is the pull and the masculine is the push. It took me a long time to get around that. It's so freaking simple, but for somehow with our society, like I had, what do you mean? Like the feminine's more positive. We're loving and nurturing, right? And masculine is not, yeah. they're pushing yeah. me, right? controlling blah, blah, blah. so i was very much looking at the shrew and the the um the macho in that but coming back to just just this beautiful balance of action that the masculine has of of bringing into creation of seeding ideas right whether it be a life or anything else by by um by having that special ingredients that gets things done this is why the more masculine energy is the providing energy okay it's the shower up energy it's when balanced it's 
so beautiful and really important for all of us. And then the feminine is the receiving. It's the nurturing. And so understanding this is just, I don't know. It was a huge concept for me. I'm still understanding it. It's, it's huge, but I know that as far as epigenetics and, and um, biogenetics, it's a study of really how much these energies when unbalanced can affect us negatively. And when balanced affects us like positively or what we think is good, healthy, flowy, effortlessly, um, and how it's very much, it's about you, right? It's, it's, it's individual. Nobody else can fix it, see it, look at your programming. We all give each other insights, right? So you can see when I'm off balance, probably before I can at some point, <laughs> you know, um, because I'm looking from inside my own drama, inside my own movie. Um, but shifting that is, is a science of itself and, and an ownership of itself and is super powerful, but you have both, you have the positive and the negative. Yeah. Well, and as you mentioned, we all um, need to help one another because the last uh, one to see something is usually ourselves when it relates to ourselves. Um, That's why coaching is so important. Because we're right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, this, uh, the feminine and masculine is such an interesting concept. I mean, I think graphically of the yin yang symbol again, how the, uh, the yin is the black side. So perhaps one could see that as absence of light in, in a way. And the, the white is the, the positive side. So light enters dark, right? For consciousness. The, um, and then when, when each of us is able to balance ourselves through uh, changing of diet, for example, or uh, any of the reaching any of the balancing any of the six categories, mm -hmm. um, then uh, one gains a, which, which in yogic terms is having your um, Vakruti match your Prakruti, your, your state matching your constitution. Mm -hmm. uh, then I wonder yogic, in the yogic vernacular, if one is moving then from like Rajas or Thomas into a sattvic to sattva, a sattvic sort of way of being. Um, I mean, I, I would guess that these are parallel languages for sure. The one thing that confuses me if I were to take this tack a little bit is uh, Shiva and Shakti, whereas Shiva is the very, is the non-active energy. It's, it's the stationary energy. So I think of sexuality again, bringing it full circle, I think perhaps here might be a good time to, to wrap up. Um, you know, one of the lessons I learned from a girlfriend who happens to be a, like a neo-tantric. So she, you know, for her especially, it was very important for me to stay calm, say, stay still um, at the moment of, as she was approaching her, her orgasm, her climax, or, or one of them, the one that was important to her apparently <laughs> in, in a given sitting. Um, and so it's very important to stay still, right? And this is how I think I've heard of it yogically, not sexually as well, that it's this open or the void or the absence energy that's just never moving, never changing, right? And the Shakti energy is, is the ever active, ever, you know, coming into the world. And just finally to, I know I'm getting so academic here, but um, well, maybe to, um, ah, uh, basically I lost my thought, but I was gonna, I was gonna bring it home and say, um, 
I can't remember what I was going to say, folks. That's it. And on that yeah. note, I'm going to come back to it later because one thing I do remember that I forgot to say in the beginning of this podcast was that I did something like this in the previous podcast. And uh, I had answered my own question in that podcast by the end of that podcast. And I just wanted to let everyone know that I didn't just drop the ball completely. So this particular ball that I just put down for a moment, I'll bring it back next time and tell you what I was talking about. But in short, Shiva, Shakti, and here it is actually, I'll bring it home right now. Shiva and Shakti is part of the 36 tattvas in yoga, which is the most subtle of forms of existence. And you can follow this map as they mapped it out down to some of these other more tangible aspects of things. Like if you're sitting in sexual union, orgasm, um, and everything else along the way, like the masculine and feminine within each person, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> nice. Anyway, bringing it way out and back in. I'll I want to know more about that. I love your wealth of knowledge and of, of yogic terms. And you know, I've been in the world literally writing books about it and stuff for forever. Um, for some reason, the part of my brain that's going to get super academic <laughs> just checks out. It's not there. It's like this innate knowing I have. And then it's like, oh, thank you for well, the wisdom. And look what I just did. I was talking about it and I forgot what I was talking about. Right. And, and to use it, you know, yoga, it's you vata energy. That. It's like you know, distracted, crazy vata energy, you'd call it. Yeah. Deranged, vata derangement in yogic terms. I love it. I love how, <laughs> how you just bring it all back to the beautiful, you know, real science and philosophy of, of yoga. I think yoga is the one most beautiful ways that we can bring in all religions every friggin one by the way and if you question that you can get this book about the bible and the yoga and yoga sutras and boom read the comparison <laughs> um my master's thesis but but all religions and philosophies and and science that is just now being backed up as truth right as far as the scientific world goes that the yogic philosophy, the yogic teachings has known for millennia. And I just, I love how it's all coming together right now um, in the world. And I think it's beautiful that we're talking about it and I cannot wait to continue this conversation. So everybody, thank you so much for being here. Make sure to comment and let us know what you think about this. Follow us on Facebook at Your Own University and um, check our next master classes out at yourownuniversity.com and join our newsletter. It's absolutely free and you can come to all of our live events as our guest. All right, we'll look forward to seeing you for all of that and each of it and more. And Bye more. for now. <laughs>